I want to echo what Derek has already said about welcoming you to East Brainerd, thanking you for being with us as we kick off 2019 together. I'm Chris Barnett. I'm blessed to be the preaching minister here. And it is my privilege each and every week to be able to, to share with the church family here messages from, from God's Word and to, to struggle along with you with those messages and with what God is wanting us to hear and the way in which God is wanting us to, to live our life. You know, during 2018, our leadership here as a church, we... We went back and forth in discussion and prayer and study about who we are as a congregation. A lot of this was going on be behind the scenes in, in, in meetings and in lunches that, that many of you were not even aware were, were taking place. But we were asking questions such as, what is our identity as the East Brainerd Church of Christ? Who, who are we? What are we known for? Sometimes the questions were posed like this. Who do we want to be? What do we want to be known for? And those questions then ran head on into the question of who does God desire for us to be? You see, if we're not we're not careful in conversations about identity and when talking about who we are and what we want to accomplish, and it can become very easy for us to confuse our plans and our desires and, and our wants with God's. Well, we begin to think that what we desire is what God desires. And the direction that we want is what God wants. And how we want to be known is how God wants us to be known. And so for much of 2018, these discussions were going on back and forth as, as again, as a leadership, we, we wrestled with the questions of our identity as a church body and, and where God was leading us as we were, were looking forward to 2019 and, and even beyond. The results of many of those discussions are going to be laid out over the next few weeks and months. And I am up here right now this morning to invite you to go on this journey. To go on this journey with us as we think about who God desires for us to be. And what God desires for us to be about. We're a very transient church here. That means that many of you who are here today, you're not going to be here necessarily on, on Wednesday when we have a gathering here, or you're, you're not going to be here maybe next Sunday, but just we, we travel so much and there, there's so many plans. And, and even coming up in a few minutes, we're going to have our, our children, they're going to go to Kids Praise and We Worship. We have so many wonderful children's ministry volunteers who are going to be going with those kids, and, and you're going to miss the message that we're going to share in here, maybe today, maybe next week, maybe in a couple of weeks from now. And so I want to encourage you, if you're going to be missing some of the messages that we're going to be sharing here on Sunday mornings, to either go online to our website at eastbrainerchurch.org or to follow our podcast to be able to, to listen to what we're going to be sharing. 
So that you can be a part of the journey. So that you can stay up with what's going to be taking place and to, to what's going to be going on. Because we want everyone who is a part of our East Brainerd family to, to, hear, to hear the word of the Lord. And how he is speaking to us today and, and the direction that, that as a leadership we truly feel that he is, that he is guiding us. And we don't want anybody to, to miss out. So if, if at all possible, if, if during this, this next month of, of January, then into February, if, if you can arrange your plans so that you can be here on a regular basis, we want to encourage you to do so. If you can't, go to the website, pop the podcast in as you're driving around, and, and be able to stay up with the things that are taking place here. And be in prayer for us as together as a church body, we go where God is, is leading. There's a, uh, there's a movie that's kind of going around right now that's really taking, taking the nation, in some ways the world, by storm. And, and it's all about this, this lady who, in order to protect her family, blindfolds herself and kids so that they can stay away from the danger because there is evil that's present in their, in their world and in, in order to make sure that she and her children survive, they go to this extreme length of, uh, of blindfolding themselves and then navigating some very difficult circumstances in order to be able to, in order to be able to live. And, and they're going around on the internet, even though they're saying, please don't try this at home. People are doing all of these different types of challenges where they are going about everyday activities, things that they normally do, and they're doing them blindfolded. And just amazing people with the different things that they're able to do and the, the way in which they're able to navigate their surroundings. And it, it really is pretty cool. And so I just thought that, hey, I'll just, I'll just go all day today and I'll just preach right here on the edge with the blindfold. What, one more step? All right, good. Thank you. Appreciate that. Now, if you think about it, the, the idea of, of, walking, uh, of walking through life intentionally blindfolded, intentionally having it where you are not able to, to see clearly, it becomes a very dangerous situation, right? Where you get right up to the edge oftentimes and you don't know if you're going to walk off or not. For you and, and for me, it's, well, it's crazy. And let's just be honest. For church, it's foolish. It's foolish to go through life as the family of God without a clear vision as to where God is leading you. And so for the next few weeks and months, we're going to take off the blindfold and ask that God allow us to see clearly the direction in which he is carrying us. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we desire nothing more than to follow you. And yet
yet so often our focus gets clouded and we're not able to see clearly. We go off in all kinds of directions thinking that we know exactly what you want, thinking that we know exactly where you're leading and oftentimes we'll even claim that it's because of your will and that we are, we're, we're following in, in your footsteps but in actuality, God, we're just doing what we want to do. We're just going where we want to go and living our life the way we want to live it and then using your name to justify every, every action or inaction. Father, may, may we be a people who take seriously the statement of your Son that the first and greatest command is to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. What if we were that people, Lord? What would you do with us if we sacrificed all for you? Remove the blinders from our heart so that we might be able to see you more clearly. Humble us so that we truly might follow. Pick us up those times when we fall. And in the end, Father, may we find rest in you. It's in the name of Jesus that together as a congregation we pray this morning. Amen. I want us to look at a, an important story that's in our New Testaments. It's in a couple of different places, actually three to be specific. Matthew, Mark, and John all mention this story. And when you read through the Gospels that are written at different times to the different audiences and you find a story that is repeated, something that we need to be sure to take mind of because apparently it was looked at and considered to be something that was, that was very important. So we're going to look at a couple of different places. The first is going to be from the Gospel of Mark. And then we'll look at it from the Gospel of John from another perspective. Here's what, here's what Mark says, Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 3. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, Leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. And I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Have you ever witnessed just over the top pouring out of affection? To be just something that was just so extreme. Just an over the top celebration. Mark says, this is what's happening right here. John, he says, this is who it is 
that's doing it. In chapter 12 of his gospel, he gives another view of the story. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man who had been raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. And I love the way verse 3 ends. The house was filled with the fragrance. Now, by the standards of that day, this is a wealthy family. And in those days, the custom was to put your savings in some type of commodity. They didn't have a banking system like we have. There was no 401k backed up by the local Campbell Union to make sure that everything was going to be good when grandma and grandpa got into their later years. And so what did you do with your, your fortune? What did you do for your future? Well, you invested it in something. And nard was a popular choice. You see, it was an expensive perfume that was, that was made from plants that grew in northern India. And it was very expensive. And it was a popular item for saving because, well, people wanted it, number one. And, and also, it's something that you could hold on to pretty easily. And you were able to go and, and buy and sell and, and barter for this type of a perfume. It was negotiable. And so the disciples, they're not exaggerating when they say, look, this one bottle of perfume, it's worth more than, than a man or woman makes in, in a single year. And this perfume now, this is Mary's future. I want you to get that. This is Mary's future. Maybe it was also Martha's as well. And it was something that was so important to her that she wouldn't use it for herself. In fact, it was too good to be used on Lazarus when he died. But it wasn't too good for Jesus. I mean, think about it. How do you thank someone who brings back your brother from the dead? You know, I don't think anyone would have thought less of Mary if she had just opened up that bottle and maybe rubbed her finger on the rim and, and then gone and placed just a little bit on top of, of Jesus' head. That would have been sensible, right? Everyone would have got a little bit of a, a whiff of the perfume. It, it would have been okay if she would have just taken just a little bit, a nice little gesture. Very sensible. But Mary wasn't, she wasn't worried about being sensible. Because you don't care about sensibility when your heart is overwhelmed with passion. And when you're overcome with passion, you are motivated to sacrifice more than you ever dreamed. Because the principal motivation for greater sacrifice is greater love. And when you come in contact with a love that is so great, then you're almost compelled beyond your actual normal ability to sacrifice. You see, in essence, a sacrifice is when you give up something that you really love because there is something or someone else that you love more. Now, we understand this, right? Maybe when you were in college, your, your girlfriend or boyfriend lived in another town and, and it was nothing for you to, to drive 300 miles to see him or her and, and you would, 
you would stay out as late as you could until curfew, until time to um, get back to the dorm. And, and you made sure you filled up all the weekend with all of these grand things and, and really made memories together. And, and you stayed as long as you possibly could until you had to get back in your car and, and drive on through the night so that you yourself could get back for your own classes. Now your buddies, they all thought you were crazy. And they told you so. And they made fun of you. But you did it. Because that's what love does. Love sacrifices. And you show me what you sacrifice for. And I'll show you what you love. See, some people sacrifice their family for their job. Because their job is their love. And that's what you do for what you love. You, you sacrifice for it. Or maybe you sacrifice your marriage for your kids because your kids are what you love. Or you sacrifice your marriage for golf because golf is your love. Or you sacrifice money and time for, for something that is an addiction to you because your addiction is what you love. And that's what you do for things that you love. You make sacrifices and you go the extra mile and you do things that are totally extreme that others who don't understand that love stand back and look at you and say, you're crazy. I mean, that makes no sense. Now, some of you have been called crazy before, but for a totally different reason. But you show me what you sacrifice for and I'll show you what you love. You see, these three gospel writers put this story right before the story of the cross in order to say, let Mary inspire and instruct you on how to respond when you are impacted by the love of God. Be like Mary. All right, so be like Mary. That sounds like a great preacher, preacher comment right there. Be like Mary. Well, what in the world does that mean? How about this? Think about it. Think about that when Mary is pouring out that lard. Nard. Did I say lard? I said lard, didn't I? <laughs> that is a totally different story. <laughs> now, I would like to be poured out with, with, with lard. I mean, I, I go to Cracker Barrel a lot. And, um, but no. Wow, we just went in a totally different direction, didn't we? How about, let's, let's rewind, all right? Back up. Mary, she's pouring out nard, not lard. Let's just put it this way. Put it up on the screen. It's poured out love is what she's doing. She's pouring out her love. And when you pour out your love, it is always extravagant. I want you to think about something. The Bible never says, this is the least that you can do and love God. Think about it. Where, where in there, where in scripture do we get the idea that there is some kind of standard, some kind of threshold, that if I do this, it's the least I can do and show my love for God. Why does the Bible say, shout to the Lord? Why do the Psalms speak of holding up our hands in praise? Why does it tell us to whisper to God? And sit on your hands. Why didn't it tell us that? Why is it so extravagant? Why do we feel the need to bow or to get on the ground to pray to God? 
Why was it that David felt the need to dance before God? It's because the real measure of love is abandonment. It's not calculation. The most sacrificial act in all human history began with the phrase, For God so loved the world. And so when it's God-like love, guess what? It costs you something. And it's extravagant. And it's over the top. And a lot of people give to God. But it costs them nothing. It doesn't mean God can't use the gift. He will. It's just not God-like. You see, it's God-like love when there's cost involved. And cautious, calculated discipleship is a contradiction. Nowhere in Scripture does it say, this is how little you can give and still love God. This is how little you can serve and still show your love for Him. This is how little you can be involved in relationships. This is how little you have to do as a disciple in order to be right with God. Nowhere. It's not in Scripture. Instead, we have the story of Mary pouring out her nard upon Jesus. Here's the second thing I think we need to think about. Poured out love is always an irritant. People get upset by other people who go over the top when they express their love for God. Because some people know the cost of everything but the value of nothing. And they can tell you everything's priced, but they don't know what anything is worth. And there are people in the room that when, when Mary breaks open that bottle and she begins to, to pour it there on Jesus' feet of all places, that they were indignant, the scripture says. And these were Jesus' followers. These were people that, that hung out with Jesus. This was his crew. These were his peeps. These were the people that if anybody should understand Jesus, these people should. Scripture says that Judas led the charge. And I want you to imagine, because here is really what Judas was saying. Hey Mary, you're giving too much to Jesus. Hey, wait a minute. Stop that. You're giving too much to Jesus. Can you imagine that being said? Can you imagine that being the attitude? Someone saying, you shouldn't be giving Jesus that much. You shouldn't be wasting that money on Jesus. You shouldn't be wasting your time on God. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be channeling all of your energy and focus to Jesus in this way. Well, it makes no sense. But radical discipleship is always going to get criticized. But the criticism often tells us more about the critic than the one who is actually being criticized. You see, the purpose of this story is to confront that spirit that is within us that says, now what is the least that I can do and still make people think that I love God? How many times do I have to come to church? What Bible classes do I need to attend? What version should I read? How many times should I teach? How many times should I volunteer for kids' praise and we worship? What do I have to do? How many times out in the parking lot? How many times do I have to go share a meal? How many times? Tell me. What? Give me a standard. Let me know. Where can I be? And it's not there. Because that's false Christianity. It's false discipleship. And Mary's action goes right up against that idea. 
You see, I think we criticize people who go a little bit over the top and make us feel uncomfortable because we're trying to protect our own shallow versions of discipleship. Because we've decided that the link that we are willing to go for God is all that's needed. And you know what? You might go further. And you might serve more. And you might sacrifice at a greater level. And it's crazy. But I'm good with where I'm at. I'm fine. You see, Jesus, or Judas, excuse me, he didn't have a money problem. He had a love problem. And you should expect your life to seem foolish and reckless to people who love anything or anyone more than they love God. Your life should look a little bit crazy to anyone who loves anything or anybody more than they love Jesus. Somewhere we have bought into the idea that Christianity is all about looking normal and, 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 and not standing out and somehow being able to fit in with the crowd. And yet it's the total opposite. When you follow after the Judean carpenter who went to the cross for your very salvation, you will look foolish. Because it makes no sense to live your life after a dead God. And yet you know the secret that God's not dead. That he is truly alive. And your life and my life should reflect that. You see, you're not going to get the applause of your friends or your co-workers. You're not going to get necessarily the applause of society and the world. You're not even going to get the applause of perhaps others who call themselves Christians. But you will get his. And the one who would not defend himself when he was accused quickly came to the defense of Mary and said, hey now, Slow your roll. Take a step back, guys. He said, leave her alone. Stop bothering her. And by the way, when you read the Bible, you need to pay special attention to things that tick Jesus off. He says, she's doing a beautiful thing to me. And wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, notify, notice his prophecy here. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, he says, they're going, they're going to tell her story. He says, when they tell my story, they're going to tell hers. When they talk about me going to the cross, they're going to talk about her pouring out her perfume. When they talk about the love that I have, and the love that my father has for the world, they're going to talk about the love that Mary has for me. Why? You don't find Jesus praising any other act in Scripture like this. Why hers? I think it's because that when Jesus is saying here that when you take my story and when you share the good news of God's love and my sacrifice to the world, the world is going to ask, how do we respond to that? What do we look like when we follow after you? And the answer is, 
you look like Mary. You pour out extravagantly. You become an irritant with the love that you have for me and for my father. See, preachers are guilty a lot of having lessons like this and saying, love like Mary, love like Mary. And we instruct people to love without telling them they are loved. It's kind of like telling someone to pay a bill without letting them know that there's been a deposit made in their account. So will you listen as I read 1 John 4 to you, beginning in verse 9? God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Guys, the gospel is a greater love story. It's a greater love story and at its core is a sacrifice that makes absolutely no sense apart from amazing love. Jesus himself would say, greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And so greater love motivated Jesus to lay down for a debt that we could not pay. And God poured out on him not perfume but, but wrath. Everything that your rebellion and everything that my sin deserved was poured out upon Jesus. Now I believe that. I believe that. I believe that Jesus was my substitute. And because I believe that, and because I believe that Jesus died in my place, then shouldn't my life look a little bit reckless? Shouldn't my life look foolish to those who don't believe that? My God can do immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. Shouldn't I respond with over-the-top love? Isn't that who I should be? Or better yet, isn't that who we should be as a body? You see, this is a story and this is a lesson about pouring it all out. It's a story about challenging us to love like Mary by sacrificing Something that we love for someone that we love more. So what if? What if we sacrifice our smartphones with all of their emails and to-do lists so that God receives more of our time and attention? What if we sacrifice dinners out at our favorite restaurant so that we can invest more of our own money in God's kingdom? What if we sacrifice vacation time so that we could, we could go on mission trips and share the story of Jesus? What if we sacrificed relationships that are not pure for those that are and so that we might be able to be united with the one who makes us as white as snow? What if as a church... We sacrificed ineffective discipleship models and our own inward focus so that we can be more open to outsiders. What if we sacrificed our formality and unwritten rules in order to be more welcome and spontaneous? What if we sacrificed our legalism 
so that we might discover grace. I know. We do any of those things and more and people are going to say, you guys are crazy. You're crazy. No. Just in love. What if? What if as a church we truly lived as Jesus commanded to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The front of your glory, praise, and honor is empty today on purpose. It's blank so that you can spend some time this week imagining what if? What if you lived like this? What if we as a church abandoned everything else and sacrificed it all for this? What would your life look like? What would your family look like? What what are your finances going to look like? What's your future going to look like? What is this church going to look like? What will the ministries look like? What will our time look like? What if? And I want you to fill in that area with as, as many ideas that God brings to your heart. What if? You love the Lord your God with all of your heart. What if? What changes would that make? What would be different? What would be done? What if you love the Lord your God with all your soul? What if? What changes? What difference? What if you love the Lord your God with all of your mind and with all your strength? What if? It's an empty page there for you. To write whatever it is that God brings to mind. What happens when his people love him and live sacrificially? Will you read this with me when I get to the underlying parts? Will you say that out loud for me? So I want us to wrap up our time here. Love the Lord your God, your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. Now, I would like for you to do that as if you were actually going to do that. All right? All right? Guys, look. We come in here, and I don't know if it's the pews, I don't know if it's the lighting, I don't know what it is. But we come in here, and all of a sudden, we act totally different in here than we do when we go see Tennessee football games. All right? Okay? You're a Christian there, just like you are here, and you get really excited when the Vols come out. Okay? And you shout, with all your lungs. Okay? And we've just had a lesson about how that Mary poured out all that she had because she recognized a God who poured out all for her. And so when I read this and we come to that underlying part, you are going to shout with all because that is the way that God expects for his church to live. You ready? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Woo! Man, what if you lived like that? Father, thank you so much. 
for your love. For the sacrifice of Jesus and for what it means in our life. I pray that we might be able to see more clearly what it truly means to love you with all that we have. Being willing to sacrifice those other things that we love because we have found something in someone that we love more. May we not be concerned about what others on the outside say. May we not be afraid of how we are going to look. May we not worry about the whispers. May we not worry about anything else except pleasing you and following you and serving you to the fullest of our life. May we abandon all of these phony stories of Christianity that we have been given. All of these phony ways that we have been told to live and to serve and how that it's supposed to be nice and in this confined box. May we break out of that so that we might truly be able to be used by you in an incredible way. What if? Open our hearts and our minds to that answer. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. What if you came forward this morning confessing your love for Christ? What if you came forward this morning and were baptized for the remission of your sins? What if today you left living the love of God? What if? If we can serve you in any way, will you let us know as together we stand and praise our God?